Thank you guys for joining us for another episode of At Your Doorstep. I'm your host, Kaylee Nix, and this is our show that is the visual complement to our modern shipper brand here at Freight Waves. We cover all things last mile delivery, gig economy, the way that we're doing things in the modern world. Today, we're going to be talking to John Seidel. He's a partner at Gray Orange, and we're going to be digging into a report about the value of robotics in your supply chain talking a little bit about that human capital versus robotic capital balance and why it's so important in the way that we're getting things done today. Before we dig into that, though, let's take a sneak peek at our latest episode in the Drone Disruptors series up on ModernShipper.com. Drone Disruptors is a series put out by Jack DeLeo. He's one of our writers for Modern Shipper. This week, they focus on Merrill. Uh, David Merrill, he's the CEO and co-founder at Elroy Air. And their payload is really interesting and because their drone can handle payloads greater than 30 pounds, up to 10 times of that weight. It's bigger deliveries, bigger savings, and their entire motto is when it comes to drones, go big or go home. Based in the Bay Area, their company describes their aircraft as a cargo drones specializing in heavy-duty, middle-mile deliveries and capable of traveling up to 300 miles away from their original destination. You can go find that installment and the other installments of Drone Disruptors up on ModernShipper.com. Here on At Your Doorstep, we talk a lot about the valuation of robotic capital and smart robotics. That's what we're going to touch on today. We have John Seidel, partner at Gray Orange, talking all about a recent release by Gartner, what it means for our community. John, welcome to At Your Doorstep. It's good to have you. Oh, thanks, Kaylee. I'm happy to be here. Before we dig into this Gartner report and kind of what it says, give us just a brief little introduction about yourself and what you do at Gray Orange. Sure. I've been part of Gray Orange for the last couple of years. I lead our strategic consulting practice that works with our largest customers around the world. Uh, even prior to that, I spent 30 years as a supply chain technology consultant uh, with various firms. And before that, I was a software developer. So you've got a very good history when it comes to the idea of forward-looking pieces of our industry, right? Let's talk about smart robotics. Gartner just published a report talking about how the robotics capital space is changing, how smart robotics is interacting with the way that we're doing logistics now. What were kind of the highlights of this report and what are some of the overarching implications from what they found? Sure. I think, you know, Gartner takes a very optimistic view of the market. They believe that adoption is accelerating and we would absolutely concur here at Gray Orange. I think quite honestly that the adoption rate may be faster than what they described, but yet at the same time, you know, there's a tremendous amount of knowledge accumulation required by the market to really understand the capability of the different smart robotic platforms. And we concur with them that, you know, as part of the maturation of this market, there's going to need to be a lot of content produced to help people understand how smart robotics can be applied to solve their business problems. So we're certainly aligned with them there. You know, they made a really interesting observation and maybe not quite as specifically as I, I interpreted it, but they were talking about emerging roles like a chief robotics officer or a chief automation officer in companies over the course of the near term. I would have to agree. I think as robotics continue to play a larger and larger role from customer integration in the shopping whether it's a retail store or some other location, the actual fulfillment across all the channels, the use of robotics in upstream supply chain functions, et cetera. There's a lot of discussion about where does this belong, right? Is this an IT function? Is it an operations function? Is it an engineering function? 
I think they're right that we will see with the expansion of the use of smart robotics, entire new business structures created to support it. I talk a lot about the balance between robotic labor and human capital. I think when it comes from the physical standpoint of are robots going to take away your standard warehouse floor worker jobs? But it's really interesting that you bring that up too, because when you talk about, are you replacing the human capital on the warehouse floor? I don't think that we talk a lot about adding in that human capital from the management or from even the C-suite view of it. Does that report kind of draw a line between the different valuation of each type of labor, whether it's human capital or it's robotic labor? And if that line is drawn, where do they stand on either side of it? Which is more important or do they work hand in hand? Yeah, so a couple of thoughts there, right? We speak in the context of our execution software managing agents. And those agents can be robots or they could be human beings. And in all honesty, in all the projects we've done so far over the course of our existence, and we've been around since 2011, I've never seen anyone lose their job over the implementation of robotics. The reality is people can be retrained to interact differently with the fulfillment process, whether they're working in a store or in a micro-fulfillment center or regional DC. Their job may be different. The process they're executing is different, but they haven't lost their job. The labor consideration that's driving the adoption is quite honestly the fact that they can't get help, right? Especially to go through a peak season. If you have a seasonal business like retail, There's a huge dependency on temporary labor, and that labor pool just doesn't appear to exist. We have one client who told us that they had increased their wage rate by 30%, both in their stores and their fulfillment centers, and they still can't get help. So the motivation for robotics isn't about cutting people you already have. It's about eliminating the fact that you can't hire the people you need. That was exactly going to be my next question is that we we are in a desperate time for hiring measures. Hiring managers, as you mentioned, are bumping salaries, bumping benefits, and companies eventually get to a point where they have their cost benefit analysis saying, okay, if we're going to spend this much time investing in beefing up our hiring strategies for human labor, is it worth it instead to just invest in the robotics side of things? What companies are you seeing make that decision and make those distinctions to decide to put their efforts forth into tech instead of hiring people. Yeah, I think, you know, there there's all sorts of public content that's out there talking about, you know, Amazon and Walmart and some of the larger retailers and the strategic investments they're making in advanced automation um, across the board. And quite honestly, we're finding that the gap between the innovative thinkers and the early adopters of automation versus those that are choosing to be slower to move a little more conservative or even laggards as it relates to the adoption of automation, the competitive advantage that the early adopters are having is actually expanding the gap between the leaders and the followers in the retail market. You have a different customer experience when you're engaging with a retailer that has inventory positioned in your market where you can choose to acquire whatever that item is, whether you do so in person or online, and receive that item exactly when you expect to receive it, receive it in first quality condition, free shipping, et cetera. And that's enabled by a supply chain that's distributed the inventory to be closer to the consumer and is leveraging automation for a clean, accurate picking and fulfillment experience for the customer. So 
you know, I, the big boys are leading the way for sure, regardless of the global geography you're talking about. And I think uh, part of the motivation here is not we're going to create some sort of huge advantage. It's more like we've got to keep up with the people that are already in this space. One of the barriers to entry when it comes to robotics deployments, robotic systems deployments, is, of course, the timeline from it, from installation to training your people to getting it fully functional, whether that's in your fulfillment center or what have you with your choice of robotic system. How much of a barrier to entry do you truly think that is in this industry? And are companies, robotics companies specifically, seeing that issue and thinking of ways to work around where they can get that deployment faster for smaller companies and make it even more affordable too? Yeah, so I think there are a couple of barriers there that the market is addressing. One of them is the uh, purchase decision itself and access to capital. Most of the leading providers in the space, including Gray Orange, have moved to a robots as a service model, where instead of needing to make a large budgeted capital acquisition in order to bring automation in, you can basically lease the hardware and do a SaaS model for the software. And the added benefit of that, of course, is you then have an active cloud software platform that can be constantly upgraded by a vendor like Gray Orange. So you're always on the latest release and always capturing the value of the most innovative thinking as it relates to the software. So that access to an OpEx kind of purchase model has, has helped. You're right also, though, in the timeline. You know, And we historically, most of our solutions were goods to person type products. And uh, an implementation model with a solution like that has typically been six to nine months. And in order to accelerate that, there are a couple of things that we're doing and and other vendors are doing, quite honestly, as well. More domestic sourcing, pre-positioning finished goods inventory in the North American market rather than relying on uh, a cross-Pacific boat ride, which is more of an issue today than ever, both in terms of cost and duration. And then the other long pole in the tent tends to be application integration. Whatever legacy application is in place to run your fulfillment engine today, whether it's a warehouse management system or an ERP app or something like that, we're building pre-certified integration, as are others, to these leading WMS uh, ERP kinds of solutions so that the IT integration comes off of the critical path. So you're right. You got to think about the duration, the timeline to value. How does that compare to your peak season? You don't want to implement this stuff the month before your peak, you know, that, so how it falls on the calendar matters as well. Uh, But the duration is, is compressing. I really want to get your opinion about outsider perspective and consumer's perspective on this robotics as a service model, or even just the robotics industry as a whole. I think that a lot of uninformed consumers who don't really understand the inner workings of supply chain or understand how robotics fits into the supply chain nowadays have this tainted idea of, oh, a robot's picking my stuff. That means that there's not a human doing it. That means it's taking away a job. So I don't want to support that company. How do we get the outsider perspective around robotics to be a little bit more receptive to robotics and get them excited about it? And build this understanding of, you know what, the robot isn't taking away a job from the person. The robot is getting your goods to you the way that you want them to in this fast manner, and it couldn't be done without them. You know, and that's change management, whether you're talking about it in the context of the actual users of the automation or in the context of the end consumers, is an important part of any automation process, right? We 
create a lot of video content. You know, it's all out there on YouTube. We use it in our marketing campaigns, et cetera. And the majority of that content is all about education, more so than sales, right? Helping people understand how they're going to interact with the automation. What's the role the automation plays? What's the role the human being plays? I mean, if I come back to our goods to person solution again, in that model, the human being, the warehouse associate is standing still and the robot is presenting product to them that they're then picking. The human being is picking, placing into the shipping container for that order to be delivered to that end consumer. So the, the picker still has their job. And quite honestly, they're happier with their job because instead of walking 10 miles a day like they used to, they're standing in one place. So from a physical fatigue factor, ergonomic factor, the warehouse associates or the store associates that are interacting with our automation are actually happier, right? The end consumer, you know, it becomes interesting, right? Because our exposure as consumers to robotics takes the form of, I go to the grocery store and there's some robot driving around cleaning the floor, right? Or I go to some large big, big box retailer and I can see a robot functioning in the back room, even though I may not be interacting with it directly. And I draw some conclusion that this robot has somehow or other displaced an individual. While I can't speak for all of those technologies, a lot of them are outside the scope of what Gray Orange does. I think in time we'll become comfortable that, hey, wait a minute, I'd rather have a sanitized shopping experience. I'd rather have an accurate order delivered to my house when I expected to receive it. I don't like having to return half of the things I buy online because they're not what I expected or they don't fit or they shipped the wrong color, or it got damaged in transit or whatever. So I think as the customer experience continues to improve, and both media and the industry continue to kind of publicize the success stories, both in terms of the human capital, as well as the advanced automation, I, you know, I think we'll learn and adopt just as we have to other kind of waves of automation in the past. Let's put a bow on this conversation by talking about the upcoming retail season. We're at the beginning of October now. Q3 is done. We are getting ready to start Q4. And everybody is talking about how this peak season is going to rival the tightness of last peak season, which I think we can call 2020 unprecedented. And it just lasted through the last 18 months, of course, starting with the COVID-19 pandemic and with every other disruptive event since. How do you, important do you think that companies that are those early adopters of robotic systems, how big of an advantage do they have coming into this peak season? And is this just going to even widen the gap further for, between those early adopters and those ones who are seeing success and the people who are left behind this peak season are maybe struggling and now see, okay, we need to invest in this to do as well as these other guys did? Sure. Um, you know, it was interesting. I had several conversations over the course of the last 18 months with retailers who felt like they went into peak season in 2020 and never left, right? I mean, or even went into it early, especially those that were involved in things like home improvement and stuff, where when people were isolated in their in their homes, you know, to find things to do, they were ordering projects and doing doing work around their homes. So um, I, I certainly anticipate the high volume of e-commerce and home delivery to continue to be as strong through this peak season. I think there will be a stronger retail shopping presence this year than, and by retail shopping, I mean in-store shopping presence this year than there was last year as we've, you know, achieved a certain level of vaccination and comfort. It obviously varies by geography or even region within the U.S., but um, I think we will see maybe a slightly more balanced 
shopping experience between the channels. The winners are going to be the retailers that have the software and the advanced you know, automation and robotics to sell the inventory that they have to the consumer, no matter how that consumer wants to buy it and no matter where that inventory is sitting. Right. So if it's in what was traditionally a retail store replenishment warehouse and I need it to fill online demand and ship units, I have automation in place that allows me to ship units out of a traditionally case based facility or I have inventory sitting in my retail stores, but perhaps I don't have the store traffic that I thought I was going to have, but I can leverage that inventory to fill e-com orders. Those are the winners, right? The, the folks that have made the early investments to drive the automation to support you know, buy online, pick up in store, ship from store, ship from warehouse, ship from third parties, drop ships. I think the crises this holiday season will be just sheer access to inventory. I think, you know, I've seen all the news stories as as everyone else about the number of boats that are stranded in the harbors, unable to unload and that kind of thing. So I think it'll be um, those that have the inventory and then the ability to leverage that inventory will be the winners. It's going to be interesting to see going into this true start of peak season. John, thank you so much for joining us this morning on our show. If you, if people want to get in contact with you guys at Gray Orange, where should they go to do that and to learn a little bit more about what y'all do? Yeah, I think, you know, grayorange.com is inclusive of our content, both from a software and advanced automation and robotics standpoint. Um, you can find our content, as I mentioned, out there on YouTube if you want to see the products in action. But, you know, start at the website, reach out. We're happy to connect with anyone. And of course, you can find me on LinkedIn if you want to. Awesome, John. Thank you again for joining us on this episode of At Your Doorstep. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Kaylee. That does it for us for today's episode, but you can catch all of our At Your Doorstep episodes anywhere that you get your podcasts and also on demand up on FreightWaves.com. We air every Tuesday afternoon right here on FreightWaves TV at two o'clock. You can always catch me on LinkedIn as well. Make sure to give me a follow there and on Twitter. We'll catch you guys next week and go check out that awesome Drone Disruptors series up on ModernShipper.com. 